Hello everybody, you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 2nd of September, 2018. Well, you're very welcome back to the podcast. As uh, the uh, keen-eared amongst you may be able to detect, I'm a little bit under the weather. That's right, my vocal register is a bit lower than it usually is. And uh, as a result of that, um, I'm feeling a bit sick, but... Uh, I am sneezing up record amounts of gunk. (laughs) That's right. I wasn't the only one to think, my, that's a lot of mucus. No, there's been people coming from miles around uh, to to watch me sneeze. Uh, Being able to charge €150 a go. And uh, I have to say, it's never been more profitable to be old and weird and sick. Uh, is first noticed by my uh, good friend um, Henny Lowry, uh, one of the uh, Lowry maids. Not an official Lowry, more of a kind of a that's who owns me sort of a title. Uh, Henny from Roscommon and has, uh, uh, lacking in any common sense, uh, was the only person brave enough of my attending um, uh, uh, sort of sick staff to say, my God, that's an awful lot of mucus. That's like a super soaker. Goodness gracious me, Father Quig. What is inside you at all? And um, uh, Henny, fair play to her, she was the apple that fell on my Newton's head and gave me the idea of um, uh, having a sort of an apple guard between <laughs> where the apples will fall from the tree and before they fall on someone's head. It's my eureka moment. So, um, if you'd like to come by Quig Manor today, it's 150 euro to come in and sit in my sick bed for an hour. You're not allowed to talk to me. Right now, as I speak, there's 20 people here waiting for me to sneeze. And the 150 euro doesn't guarantee you'll get to see me sneeze. Uh, it's you'll just get to be in the room. I may sneeze, I may not. Um, I might suddenly get what I like to call itchy eyes. That's uh, when you feel like you're going to sneeze, so you need to look at a light, and that light's going to help you pass the finishing line to help you get that lovely big sneeze out. But sometimes you can't find the light in time, or you're running around your bedroom trying to find the right crack from the, uh, the window uh, that's letting in the right amount of light that's going to allow you to sneeze. And sometimes that doesn't happen. That, that just doesn't happen, but uh, that doesn't mean it's not a thrilling thing to observe, don't you think? Hmm? It's a lot like the people waiting for, for Jesus to somersault off the cross and use his crucifix as a sort of a bat to beat the, the, the Romans with. And uh, the people who are waiting for ages for that to happen... Uh, sure, times are thinking, no, there's no way he's going to suddenly magic off this thing and uh, start using that uh, using that thing, that big wooden yoke he was crucified as some sort of, um, what do they call them in America for the police, the sticks, the beating sticks? Beating stick, he was going to use it as a, he did use it as a beating stick. Christ, Lord, that day caved many a skull in. How'd you like that now, you prick, he said. Onto those who had put him up on the sticks. How about this now for a taste of my wood? And um, back then, uh, there was uh, only about nine people observing this who knew that Jesus was going to come back from the dead and use his crucifix as a big stick 
to hit all his enemies with. But the nine people who waited, they were patient. It paid off. And they had a bloody great story to tell for the rest of their lives. Not unlike this this quig sneezing vigil that's going on here. Right here, right now. So, from (laughs) the sickbed of Cúchollan, so to speak, I'll be doing this week's Sunday Sermon Podcast. And... um, Listen up, hepcats and headbangers and people from the atheist nation. Uh, Just because I'm a bit sick (laughs) doesn't mean I'm not still going to go after all of you boys, as I always do, and make you all feel like a bunch of bloody idiots. So without further ado, I want you to get excited, get ready. Um, If you're not sick, get sick. If you are sick, get cured. Do whatever you have to do. Uh, If there's neighbours shouting you go over and you shout at them the loudest there's a car alarm going off towards the car because you've got to spend all of your effort and attention enjoying and 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 permeating the meaning behind all the lovely things i'm going to tell you in this week's sunday sermon podcast right now look i'm not feeling well so i'm just going to be reading from this week's ireland's own uh, it's uh, number 5,672 and um, uh, the front cover of it is, uh, is a detective and it's, it's called Watching the Detectives and has a shot of a detective lad and underneath it says Tom McParland takes us on a journey through the Hollywood world of cool clean heroes and um, Ireland's Own which has been publishing in circulation since 1902 I think uh, really have their finger on the pulse I mean there's there's most Catholic newspapers the week after the Pope is visited wouldn't uh, run with this as their lead story. A guy talking about how he likes detective films. Also, watching the detectives. That's a reference to a song title that uh, the Elvis Costello brought out. Um, it's a song about a guy who wants to get amorous with his girlfriend and gets moochy moochy, but he's too bloody concerned with watching bloody detectives on telly so um that song's ripped from the headlines also from 1979 and the guy on the front cover of this thing uh he's reading the racing forum um and uh this is also a still from the 40s so they very much got their finger on the pulse and because of that i'm going to be reading from um dipping into it here now i'm i'm kind of one of the editors at large uh, but that's just a title given to any priest who's ever uh, had an Ireland's own subscription or indeed bought one or had one bought for them. So uh, without further ado, uh, I'm going to read from Cassidy Says. Uh, it's a column on, uh, on Ireland's own. And um, picture of it, if you can picture a, 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 a man drawn probably by himself. Imagine someone trying to draw themselves for the first time in their life and maybe it's their second attempt. That's what his, 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 his picture looks like. So here's what Cassidy has to say. And this week's topic is manners. Oops, said the young one, hardly 20, sweeping through the door with her briefcase stuck under her oxter and her mobile phone pressed up to her ear. Oops, she said again, extremely apologetically, because in her distraction, she had let the door swing back against me. It hit my walking stick. Hang on now, let's go back up a little bit, Cassidy. So, oops, said the young one, hardly 20, sweeping through the door with her briefcase stuck under her oxter and her mobile phone pressed to her ear. Now, her oxter, 
Um, uh, I've, I'm just going to look that up very quickly. Oxter. It means, yes, Parsons armpit. And that's what everyone calls their armpit. No one calls it their armpit. They call it an oxter. Cassidy was very smart to know that Irish people use the word oxter all the time when referring to that part of the anatomy and never ever referring to it as your armpit or under your arm. So really Cassidy in the first sentence of his advice column or whatever it is, he's letting the people of Ireland know, uh, I'm with you. I know we all call armpits oxters. It's not just some awkward word I've stuck in here to grind the whole sentence to an immediate halt. And it's the opening sentence of the piece. Why would you want flow? Why would you want to be able to understand it all when um, uh, someone like Cassidy can just go up, go on to dictionary.com, look up armpit, look up synonym, and then put in oxter. So listen, Cassidy, I'm going to just slightly rewrite this. So uh, I'm just going to go, go, go through this again. Oops, said the young one, hardly 20, sweeping through the door with her briefcase stuck under her arm and her mobile phone pressed to her ear. Now, look, Cassidy, that's a much better sentence. I don't know where you're going with this oxter stuff. Um, uh, surely in your part of the country everyone uses it, but you want everyone to enjoy this. You've got a great story to tell, Cassidy. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's keep going on. Oops, she said again, extremely apologetically because in her distraction she had let the door swing back against me. It hit my walking stick, but did not harm me uh, at all at all. And I can tell you, Sandra, she told me her name, was blushing to the roots of her hair. This woman had manners. She was momentarily thoughtless, perhaps, but she knew how to behave. And no, uh, oh, eh. Uh, Sorry, I'm just suddenly very depressed. It's gone again. Uh, this woman had manners. She was momentarily thoughtless, perhaps, but she knew how to behave. And she knew that the right thing to do was to apologise. Now, she is one among a few. Mm-hmm. There are many high flyers of both genders who take it as a badge of honour to be brusque, to barge through doors as if there was no one behind who elbow their way onto the dart, and who leave a bubble or discontent in their wake. Hang on, a bubble? They leave a bubble in their wake. Right, so Cassidy's trying to tell us there's some bubble bandits about. They are rude, and um, if you see anyone blowing bubbles, they're probably part of a gang. So, uh, if you don't have a knife, I recommend you buy a knife, because you, you're going to need one. These bubble boys are either going to burst you, or they're going to burst someone you love. So you've got to burst them first with a big knife or maybe just a big pin. If they do take after their beloved bubbles, then this bubble gang will also be susceptible <laughs> to being burst. Right. Now, look, back, back to Cassidy. Their condition is simple. They are dog ignorant and have no manners. Now, look, dog ignorant, what does that mean? Is that someone who's ignorant of dogs, someone who doesn't know what a dog is? Um, that's not their fault. Maybe Cassidy meant pig ignorant to say someone is as ignorant as a pig. A pig, of course, uh, that's, not a, that's not a nice thing to say about pigs. Pigs are very smart. I mean, I personally wouldn't have one on a quiz team or let one do my accounting, but I'd certainly have one to scratch his little belly and maybe in the cold, cold nights of winter eat him. But um, 
Uh, I think Cassidy was going for pig ignorant because uh, pigs, they don't do much. They just sort of hang around, they snort and um, they get their bellies tickled and they have a great old time and they get ate. So I think he meant pig ignorant instead of dog ignorant, but sure, we'll keep going. Uh, Their condition is simple. They're dog ignorant and have no manners. There is a misconception that people who are mild mannered and who defer where and when appropriate to others are wimps. And deserve to be walked upon. Hmm? Well, I'm sure Cassidy's going to have a word or two about this. Don't try that one with the Cass. And on pain of having a bad report, don't push your luck with Mrs. Cassidy. We act like we believe that good manners is one expression of the milk of human kindness. And so we take unkindly to its absence. What the hell sort of a sentence was that, Cassidy? First off, anyone who calls himself the anything is an absolute idiot. The quick has very little time for people like that. And um, saying that uh, the, uh, we act like we believe that good manners is one expression of the milk of human kindness, and so we take unkindly to its absence. To that I have to say, what? But we'll continue. It's not that we are on higher moral ground, but we do expect certain standards. And when these fall short, we contrive to let the offenders know. Right, so if you're rude to Cassidy, he'll be rude to you. So uh, listen, Bubble Boys, if you're Bubble Gang going on to the dart, and you see Mr. Cassidy, the Cass, and his wife, Mrs. the Cass, uh, or Ms. the Cass, whichever one she prefers, if you see them there, you better leave well alone. Because uh, they're going to take unkindly to your absence of kindness. So, um, we'll continue. I put it this way, because there is a type of ill-mannered person whom you could draw on yourself on your disadvantage. They are able to see how they bring a nasty atmosphere into the environment. And if you presume to tell them, you will get caught up in even more nastiness. I give such people a wide berth. Here are two lovely examples of good manners. Right, so now we're moving on from the... Uh, he started off his thesis by saying someone was kind of rude to him, but she apologised. That there's a lot of rude people out there and um, that he's not taking it. But he also won't, won't engage with them. And he's, he's, we're into the final stretch of the column where he's going to give us some examples about uh, good manners. One was at a bus stop. An old lady who had travelled from Mar- Carib across to Dundalk was being helped off the bus by a fellow pensioner. They did not know one another. She received his arm with grace, and he accepted her profuse thank you like a true gentleman. Simple manners, but it put beauty on such a simple activity, and the others disembarked barely noticed. But I did. We were all the better for it. Um, I actually know that couple. Uh, the Carib across couple, they're... Uh, they're having an affair. So let's not go slapping them on the back too too much about how nice they are helping each other off the bus. They're both committing adultery. And the man, uh, the adulterous man in the relationship, um, he's, a, he's, he's a history of bigamy. So Cassidy, I'm afraid that you're, you're way wrong on this one, but we'll continue on to the second one. The second happened near home. Dooley with his ankle strapped up with the recent strain, stumbled against the table in the coffee shop and knocked over the drink of another customer. There was no peak sorry, 
So the customer before Dooley said it. What the fuck? Sorry, this sentence just doesn't make any sense. Cassidy, you've fallen asleep at the at the keyboard. And by the keyboard, I mean the old Remington typewriter you you write on, uh, uh, and have been since 1971. And um, it just uh, the stink of whiskey off this column is incredible. All right, okay, but you know what? I'm a bit sick. I've just had a lem sip, so uh, it's possible I'm 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 not giving it my full attention so let's 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 go back again first off um cassidy the old man who's writing this thing he's bringing up a new guy called dooley in this i don't know who dooley is i guess he's a guy from his town it's mentioned to him before uh it means nothing to me though cassidy you need to give me some context so uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll hop into this. We'll just say Dooley is um, just a neighbourhood goofball, and um, he's someone that everyone's like, "Oh, what do you like, Dooley? Oh, God, you're mad!" But uh, he's also got a heart of gold. And when someone's kid went missing a few years ago, he 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 found the person who did it, and he fucking killed them. So Dooley's a guy, a real nice guy, you can count on. Uh, the second happened near home. Dooley with his ankle strapped up from a recent strain stumbled against the table in the coffee shop and knocked over the drink of another customer. There was no peak. Sorry, said the customer before Dooley said it. Good manners and understanding. Okay, right, so I did read it too quickly. But the real twist ending there is that um, there's so many wimps, as Cassidy put it earlier on, so many wimps being taken advantage of, and um, that's a bad thing. But then at the end of the story, he says... Someone knocked over this weenie's drink and the weenie, instead of saying, hey man, give me another one, uh, or said, what the fuck, bro? And instead he said, sorry, uh, to the to the person who knocked it over, which doesn't display any good manners, just more of a weird, subservient compulsion. Anyway, that's the end of Cassidy Says Manners, and that's on page three of this week's Ireland's Own. And now, something from the kids' section of Aaron's own. It's called Dill the Snake. Dill was feeling mischievous. His wife had already shooed him out of the house for persuading the children to creep out and shout boo, making her jump. Take the children and go away while I prepare for the party, she told him crossly. It's not fair you making mischief when I'm so busy. I was only having a bit of fun, Dill said, before slithering off, taking the kids with him. He wasn't even sure why he was feeling like causing a bit of mayhem. He just was. You are going to explore, Dill told them. As soon as baby snakes hatch, they have to fend for themselves, which include finding their own food to eat. It was important, Dill felt, that they become independent as soon as they could. Living in the jungle, one had to be aware of its delights, as well as its dangers. Dill wended his way along the path, wondering what other shenanigans he could get up to. Being a python, he was one of the largest snakes in the jungle. He didn't produce venom, but was a constrictor. This means he squeezed his prey before swallowing them in one piece, so that everything bare the feathers and fur was digested. 
Pythons normally ate animals such as monkeys and antelopes and attacked their prey from an ambush, so dill tended to be well camouflaged and liked to hide in trees. Unfortunately, dill's problem was that he found it hard to keep his balance whilst weaving his body around branches. He didn't know why, mostly it didn't bother him too much, certainly never stopped him from finding food or being mischievous but it did mean that he fell off branches quite easily. He wasn't hungry, having eaten only the other week. Pythons only eat three to four to five times a year. Slithering over to a nearby tree, he wound his way up the trunk, trying to hang on and not fall off, before peeking out to see who might be coming. First along the path <laughs> was Eric the Elephant. Dill grinned. Just as Eric strolled under the branch below him, he poked his neck out and shouted, Surprise! Eric jumped. Jeez, don't startle me like that at all! If Dill could have shrugged, he would have. But snakes can't really do that since they don't have shoulders. Sorry. You still come to the party later? He asked. What party? Eric queried. Dill knew that Eric had a terrible memory. The party I told you about the other day? Remember? He saw a look of realisation dawn upon Eric's face. Oh, that party. Yes, I'll be there. Great, see you later then, Dill said, before slithering back up the tree. He caught a few others off guard, but soon got bored, decided to just explore a bit further afield instead. Seeing someone new, he decided to jump out and surprise them before introducing himself and asking them to the party. He was a friendly snake, and in his view, the more the merrier. It was at that point that he unfortunately slipped off the branch he'd been on and landed in a bump right in front of the leopard, startling her. Boo, Dill said feebly. Did you just fall from the tree perch above? Yes, said Dill, deciding honesty was the best policy. I know most other snakes are good at gripping onto branches, but unfortunately I can't. Are you new around here? Yes, said the leopard. I've just moved house. Smalling off branches isn't good for a python. Neither is making mischief on the unwary in the jungle. Sorry, said Dill. I guess you're right. I was going to ask if you wanted to come to a party at my place later. The leopard looked pleased to be invited. Thank you. I know leopards aren't normally sociable, but I am. Uh, See you later, Dill said, slithering off. Having given himself a bit of a fright, falling right in front of the leopard, he began to think that maybe jumping out in front of people, especially in the jungle, wasn't such a good idea after all. On the other hand, being different was good. After all, he said to himself, full stop, new sentence, if a leopard can be sociable and an elephant forgetful, why shouldn't a python snake be a bit clumsy? It's what makes us unique, and friends don't mind anyway. They like you for being you. With that, he slithered back home to apologise to his wife for being so mischievous earlier. The End 
that was a lovely story, don't you think? Dill, the uh, mischievous snake, he's at home messing up, with the, annoying his wife. Then he leaves with the kids and he pretty much says, kids, go and do whatever you want. Leave. Don't know if they're ever coming back again. Then he tells an elephant. Uh, the elephants don't have a good memory. It's not the elephant's fault. He tells the elephant... Do you remember the party? The elephant says no. And he says, I fucking told you about it last week. And the elephant goes, oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And then he meets a leopard. And um, uh, the, 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 the leopard, get they get on, even though it seems doomed from the beginning. But, so there's an elephant and a leopard coming to this party at a snake's house. Also, the leopard said that they just moved house. So I guess all these animals have houses, but... How's the leopard going to get into the snake's house? I presume a leopard's house would be the size of, you know, a regular size, maybe a bungalow. The leopard could live in there quite happily. Whereas you could fit a whole pile of snakes in one room. So I don't know you're going to get an elephant and a leopard and a snake. Also, she's going to be so mad at him. Mrs. Dill. She doesn't even get a name. She's just the wife. She's going to be very mad when he comes back with a leopard who I'm sure could eat them quite handily. An elephant that could crush them. And uh, also, no kids. Where are the kids? Uh, well, um, I just thought I'd let them off. Uh, <laughs> uh, he told, hang on, find the line. You go and explore, Dill told them. As soon as baby snakes hatch, they have to fend for themselves, which included f- finding their own food to eat. Yes, they're abandoned. They're abandoned. So imagine that your dad, uh, you're at home with your parents, and your dad bursts out of nowhere to scare your mother. Your mother says, I'm getting this party organised for later on. Get out! Get under! Get get out from under my feet. Go! Or from out from underneath my snake mass. And uh, your, your parent then brings you outside and just tells you, go explore. You go off and explore. You turn around. You're, they're not there. Where's your dad? He's, oh, look at him. He's over there. He's bothering people. He's sort of harassing people and then inviting them to a party. I hope he comes back and gets us before he goes back home because we don't know. Oh no, he's just gone. He's left. We're here all alone. Thanks for nothing, Dad. Next time, those kids, they should call the Dad Dill. Because <laughs> uh, how can you have respect for someone who just abandons their kids like that <laughs> in the middle of the day? Bring them for a walk. When the mother calls, sends him out to find them, they should just keep calling him Dill from now on. It's like, thanks for the advice, Dill. Uh, <laughs> uh, that would really that really show him. And uh, that's on page 31 of Ireland's Own. A great story for uh, for the kids. And indeed, for kids of all ages, provided that age isn't above 10. Okay, that's about it for this week's Sunday sermon. I'm sick as a small hospital, so I'm just going to leave it there. Um... Uh, if you want to come and see the Sunday Sermon live, uh, it's going to be part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. That's going to be on the 30th of September. And um, look up DublinPodFest.com for the tickets. We're going to be doing a split gig with um, Juvenilia. And um, on the Sunday Sermon podcast gig, uh, we're going to have uh, Liam Nugent, hopefully, will be there. A few old actor buddies like... Um, uh, Jack Rayner might be swinging by. Uh, special guest Kev McGahorn. Uh, old Ned is going to be there, and uh, it's going to be a great, uh, a great old time. And also, if you like uh, uh, 
musicals. Uh, there's 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 one on during the fringe called Twelve of the Centuries, uh, that um, stirs a bunch of hip calves. And I, as a very old priest, have no reason or inclination to support it beyond saying that the poster looks like looks like fun. It's a nice poster, if nothing else. And uh, it's called Trial of the Centuries, and uh, that's going to be running from the seventeenth uh, to the twenty second of September in Project Arts, and. Um, uh, but more importantly than that, because that one's doing okay, but not doing so well. The old ticket sales is the Sunday sermon live. So, uh, if you could, uh, it's a double double bill with uh, us Juvenalia, and um, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's going to DublinPodfest.com to get your tickets for that. Until next week, God bless you. Pray for Quig. God bless me, and please rise for uh, uh, not quite the homily, but. Um, some freestyle rap from Quig, uh, 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 me. Uh, all right, talk to you later on. Bye. Look, if you had one shot, um, do a really good mass, and everyone's going to be very impressed by it, but it meant that you'd have to put in a little bit more effort than you usually do, uh, would you do it or would you not be asked? His songs are ready. Uh, arms are heavy, there's vomit on his sweater, mom's forgetting, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop on, he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down, the whole crowd grows so loud, he opens his mouth. You've been listening to The Sunday Sermon Presents with Charles Bowdy. Uh, big special thanks as always to Connor Toole, Jeremy O'Brien, Colin Chadwick, Peter McGann and McKeaveney. Uh, if you'd uh, like to uh, follow me, I'm on Twitter, at Charles Bowdy, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, we've got uh, two big gigs coming up soon. The uh, Trial of the Centuries uh, musical I've uh, co-written with uh, Bobby Ahern and I'm directing the stars. Ken McGarren, Tony Cantwell and loads of really funny people that's going to be on from the uh, 17th to the 22nd of September uh, in Project Arts. And then on the 30th of September we're going to be having a live Sunday sermon podcast with uh, Peter McGann and Ken McGahern and Colin Chadwick and it's going to be a lot of fun so go to DublinPodFest.com to get your tickets for that I hope you have a good week and talk to you later